thank you so much for coming this evening. See a number of familiar faces, like really appreciate the support. Um, so keen to get straight into it, but I guess just to frame this up for those of you that might not have been to one of these before, we'll probably spend about 30 minutes, us guys having a chat. Uh, within that, I've also got a, bon a bunch of questions that some of you submitted. Um, and then after sort of 30 minutes or so, we'll then bring a mic out into the audience. So for those of you that have the courage to ask a question, and we're gonna encourage that, put these guys on the spot, and we can freestyle it a bit. Um, but hopefully the goal tonight is that you all walk away with you know, some actionable insights, some things that can help you in your career, your business, um, by these lovely people sharing it. So um, for those that don't know who you are, let's just start with a brief intro. Lewis, I'm gonna to come to you first and then just come back around this way. Um, and then we'll get into it. Nice, good evening everyone. I'm uh, Lewis Gadsden. Brought my posse would be. <laughs> and I'm Associate Director of Wiser Elite. We're a specialist tech sales recruitment agency, uh, and I'm also the founder of SDRs of London, which is a peer-to-peer -peer mentorship platform for London's best lead generators. Let's go. Alicia? Um, so I am Alicia Birch. I am the Business Director of Anderson James. We are a... Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> oh, I love it. My fan. Um, we are a construction business who supply across USA, London, obviously Northwest as well, UK-wide. Um, yeah, I've been doing it for six years and absolutely loving every second of it. Right, let's go. Last but not least, Jamie. Hi, I'm Jamie Fraser, CEO of the Interex Group. Founded Interex six or seven years ago. Um, at the age of 23, we're now a global business, 140 people, three locations. So, yeah, I hope I can share some knowledge, experience, and yeah. Awesome. No, thank you for being there. Um, so where I wanted to start is just to have a bit of a reflection um, period. So where I wanted to start is uh, a lot of people that I've spoken to have had a challenging H1. Um, so I think, I'd, like, let's just kick this off by sharing maybe some of the things that you and your team have been running into. Alicia, I'm going to come to you first, if that's okay. Um, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to kick started by, you know, taking a step back, thinking about the first half of this year. What have been, you know, some of the challenges that you've been running into or you keep hearing in the office that your team are running into? What have been some of the major challenges that you've been working through? So I think for us, as, you know, me personally as a, 360 and also 180 as well just doing business development it's been really really hard to when it when it comes to the market at the moment it's harder to hire people don't want as many people especially in the market that I do which is construction so it's a lot harder to actually get people through to an offer stage but the talent needs to be a lot higher and it's a lot harder to find that talent you've got to be a lot more well connected to get it anyway um so I do think that at the moment what we found is that mainly the job control is the hardest bit. You know, mm. we need to make sure that we're getting good jobs, they're well qualified, clients are on side, all those bits that contribute to actually getting to offer stage. But then also a really fucking good candidate. Like that, that's like the hardest, you know what yeah. I mean? It's a candidate-led market. Recruitment is candidate-led. Mm. So as long as you've got good people and good relationships, you'll be fine. Lewis, what have, what have you got to share on that? Yeah, so um, all of us that work in tech, I don't know if Jamie will tell us something different in a second, but the, the tech bubble kind of burst. 2021 was like champagne recruitment era. That was awesome. Um, and what we had in the tech sales market was a number of people generating promotions just by moving companies in that time. Because the, <laughs> the first time ever, the first time ever, uh, jobs outweighed talent, which was incredible for us. But then, yeah, it all came crashing down around about six to nine months ago. And then what happens is there's a surplus of talent in the market because of mass redundancies, uh, uh, which is not good news for us. Yeah, that's one of the main challenges. And another one as well, which you know, I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, is being sent on wild goose chases with contingent terms. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, put your best foot forward. I see a lot of nodding heads. <laughs> put your best foot forward and then like, you know, putting everything into a search only to be told that, oh, all of a sudden we haven't got sign off or we're going to push these roles back to next queue, which you actually told me about. Uh, within, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, okay. challenges. So, yeah, flooded amount of people in the market. Um, like I said, continuing, we spoke about that. We're going to talk more about that. Okay. Jamie, from your perspective, obviously, maybe you've got a bit more of a global footprint compared to these guys, although Alicia's business does do the US. What did you see in the first half of the year? What were some of the challenges that you were helping your team overcome? 
at the start of the year, we turn semi-soft, and that's not who I am or who we are as a business. When I drove the business at the start, it was very much about hard work, numbers, numbers, numbers. Um, we started adding, like my whole goal for this year was people engagement, taking our people engagement to the next level. Why? Because I want people to be attracted to our business. How we do that is make sure that we have a platform that people can join, can be part of, but can grow. I speak to everyone in my interviews is that if a company can't grow you personally or career, don't go there. And if you don't, can't get a goal out of it. So we added all of these new different quirky benefits. And um, like, like what? What is the quirkiest? Don't actually like them. So um, I want to share what were some of the benefits? So we we didn't offer sick days. Then we started bringing in sick days. Well, wait, what does sick day? What does that mean? So like you can take a sick day and you get paid. Pain for a second. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, okay. You do have them, and they do, like people love them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sick days. I don't love them people. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So sick days. Don't the top three quirkiest and sick day as well. No, no, no. So we pay sick days, but we also gave them more holidays. But we also added in mental health days. Okay. But for me, if you take a mental health day, you should actually suffer with mental health, right? Mm -hmm. People obviously take advantage of that. Um, what else did we do? Unlimited holiday? Menstrual leave. Okay. I love that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, for the women, obviously. Yeah. So, so that that's obviously been our challenge. I Obviously, last year, everyone had the percentage uptick, right? This, this year, so people that have done well last year, did they do well last year? They've come into this year. I've got a lot of great bidders within my business. They come into this year with big contract books. Um, what you've done last year is not going to work this year, right? And that's that's the biggest thing that we'd be trying to rein back in and drive back in is high tempo, high quality, because quality is key in this market, um, numbers, and, and just reining stuff back in. And that's obviously been our challenge and the shift that we're making. As we open up New York, just been this week, um, we've changed all of our structure from benefits to numbers, et cetera, et cetera. So... I think the challenge for us is a lot of people taking the foot off the gas. We have kind of struggled with that, even though we're growing, but that's probably big. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I appreciate you sharing that because, look, I, I said you didn't, I wouldn't be prepared for this, that I spoke to a lot of agency leaders that felt the same. They almost found themselves like pandering to what they, you know, what employees wanted them to do. Um, so how, if you don't, like this is later on, I wanted to be brought up. So in terms of that then, what helped you come to that realization? Because that might be useful for people. Like I know you said that it was in the, it might have been a board meeting. I'm not sure, but what helped you come to that realization? And then I've got a follow up question on that. But what helps you realize that? Yeah, ROI. I think that's the main thing. If you do anything for a business, if you do any sort of benefit or perk or whatever it is, you've got to check the ROI that you get back from it. Um, we also had our Fridays go from 5 p.m. finish to 3:30 finish. Right, end of week sales meeting would be three three o'clock our productivity on a Friday was shit. So that we realized it when I was having board meetings and my chairman went, that's not you. Like mm -hmm. that is not you as a business. We had a couple of months that was 80%. We're not an 80% business. Um, so it was just realization that we wasn't doing what our brand is, our yeah. vision, our mission and stuff like that. Okay, cool. No, I appreciate you sharing that. So, cause I know like we all spoke a bit about that in our own ways. So let, let me bring this question in then. Um, Lewis, I'm going to come to you on this. This is a question from Charles. I think it's the right time to ask it. So he asked, how uh, have you rolled out company-wide change in culture, processes, mindset to allow them to succeed? What was the pushback and how has that overcome? Because I'm sure you run into that, which we'll get onto. But, you know, Lewis, anything to share on there in terms of how you approach things? I know you saw similar things in different ways. Is this the uh, return back to the office question? <laughs> Yeah, obviously not the whole, you know, we get enough of it on LinkedIn, do you want to work from home, the office, like, fuck that. Like, let's just keep it real in terms of, you know, what we're actually trying to drive in our businesses in the office. Yeah, look, I think a lot of businesses have been through the same thing, haven't they? It's been like a feeling out process post-COVID as to what they can do to make sure they keep a high-performing culture. But um, at the same time, I'll, I'll just give you the story of how we went about it. Yeah, yeah. So initially coming out of covid we initially went back into just doing wednesdays and then it got back to three days a week and you could do any three days a week that you chose now initially it kind of worked we were doing it but we found that we just weren't really hitting the numbers that we used to and if anything the culture just got diluted like why is there really 
internally within four walls of wise there is known as like the high performing lot we're gritty we get we roll our sleeves up we're in early we're last to leave that sort of thing and just over a period of time it, it we kind of lost that a little bit and so jack and uh, took the decision that and and the rest of us not assuming <laughs> took the decision that we were going to fix a date we're going to fix a day. So we're now doing Monday to Wednesday, three days a week in the office, still giving people the flexibility to work from home, but we're actually now the excuses of, of things like, you know, stay out of memory that day, yeah. or, you know, I need the boiler man to come. Do you know what I mean? If you need to do that, you do it on a Thursday and Friday now. Okay, nice. <laughs> Alicia, what, what have you seen in your business? Because I... House jobs need to be done on a Monday. Fair, I think for us, I mean, I absolutely despise working from home. Okay. I think it's the devil. Okay. You know, don't get me wrong, love doing my washing on a Monday, love all that. But the day to day for me, like a lot of people hide behind working from home. You know, it's an opportunity for them to, I'm having, a, I'm having an admin day. It's an admin day. <laughs> like you do your admin in your day, like that is your day. But I think for me, I find you know, I do a lot of meetings. I'm out the office a lot, but I'm not working from home. Like mm. it's flexible because I can go anywhere I want and I can, you know, I cover UK wide so I can go to meetings here, there and everywhere. But it's difficult because I think a lot of people see it, they come into the business and it's like, do you do flexible working? Mm. What is that? Like, what is flexible working? Is it finishing earlier? Is it having a day off? Like, what do people define as flexible working? Because it used to be working from home. Mm. Now it's not like people want to come into interviews thinking, can I have three days off? Cause that's how they see it. And it might be old fashioned, but I think the culture when people work from home is shit. I think that, you know, it loses that personal touch of like being in the, like for me, if I'm in the office, I'm bouncing ideas off people. I'm like, what do you think of this? And mm. I do more when I'm around more people. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggle to grasp the concept of a new consultant coming into a business. How are you? developing your role working from home mm. like what what are you doing staring at your washing machine and you think like that's not going to teach you how to recruit like like that that's my personal preference mm. <laughs> like, no, yeah. it might be old-fashioned but that's how i've been taught how to recruit is be around people that know what mm. you do and learn from them but it is it's different everyone's different i do sure, agree in flex thanks you. <laughs> well i agree with what you can learn recruitment by Looking at you have to be in the office. Oh, yeah. The best recruiters ever are in the office. Fact. Mm. If you, as soon as you know, I'm sitting. Yeah, I might be. But yeah. Yeah, I think, like for me, my perspective, I speak to a lot of recruitment companies, right? And I think, you know, you just shared it there. I think a lot of company owners found themselves like just not owning what they were and just sort of being, oh, you know, a few people have asked for this, let's do that. So what you guys are saying is like, own what you are. And if you want to be part of that, then great. If not, then this company might not be for you. And I think that that's where sometimes people have had a challenge. I, I hate to interrupt, but I feel, I feel like if you are performing and you know how to do the job, mm. great. Work from home on a Thursday, work from home on a Tuesday. Whatever you want to do, do it, whatever suits your lifestyle. But when you aren't performing and you are not able to do the job or you mm. don't know how to do the job, why are you working from home? Like the people that are around you are the people that are going to teach you how to do your craft. Like what, what are you doing working? It's, it's such a gray area because some people see it as a perk, a necessity, but you're never going to learn sitting on your own at home unless you listen to, you know, the recruitment mental. Yeah. I completely agree. And just like, I don't know, finishing point on that as well. It's just a point of efficiency as well. You're not telling me a message on Slack or a message on WhatsApp is quicker in getting something done than asking someone up your desk like yeah. you know what i mean all for the the hybrid model i enjoy the hybrid model yep same at the same time you know when you're in the office those days are definitely needed yeah so final thing on that then because we don't need to speak about that all night but i guess like Jamie, passionate about it uh we'll be here all night yeah. no i think jamie i just wanted to obviously the, the question was you know you had that realization how do you go about rolling out changing? Because that, that might be helpful for people. Like they might find themselves in that predicament now. Yeah, maybe we have made some decisions because we thought that's what employees wanted. But actually, you know, from what we can see performance-wise, that has dropped. They don't want to piss everyone off. They don't want to then be known as a company that's old school, whatever it may be. How did you then go about going, hey guys, look, I actually think we've, yeah, maybe put things in that I actually don't believe in aren't right for my culture and company. 
So how do you go about actually rolling now and communicating now with a lot of, this is how it now is. You can be part of it or you're not part of it. How did you roll that out? The people that I hire on naturally globally would be people that want to be the best. And we didn't change too much, but to scale a business at an aggressive rate, um, you need to build a culture. There is no company in the industry that has scaled a global business letting everyone work from home. That's an absolute fact, right? Successful business. We had to make sure that people wanted to work our way. Mm. Um, our model and platform is proven to make trainees right through to director level, seriously successful, grow, come out their comfort zone and develop. And that's what I say to everyone, right? Is join my business if you want to be pushed and join my business if you actually want to double your billings. And that's what we do. Mm. And we, we, we removed a few people um, we set a standard and we drove it seriously fucking hard, basically. Okay. That's what you have been doing yeah. over the last couple of months. Yeah. Okay. So to build on last year, then the word that I found come up a lot in my conversations have been complacency. So I think the other element that has come up a lot, which I just want to touch on here is in terms of complacency being, I think a lot of people entered the industry over the last 12, 18 months, there was a shitload of workflow, uh, workflow. So there was loads of stuff for them to be working on. Um, most people then, you know, in terms of saying like, right guys, let's really make sure that we're continuing our outbound activity, business development, whatever that looks like in your company, that just really just didn't happen for a lot of companies. Um, last year. Like, yeah, last year there, that's a lot of the conversations that I've had. Um, so a lot of companies that I've spoken to, they found that over the last six months when they're now trying to drive a lot more of a BD culture, people having to be, you know, a lot more proactive. They found that actually looking at their new client base, 80% of their new clients have come from 15, 20% of their style. Um, and these people are in 360 roles, but actually, you know, just got past roles from their managers and they got used to that. And, and that's been their experience. And now it's been a real challenge for a lot of people to transition into when their own clients and new business. Lewis, I know we spoke about this. How, one, is that something that you guys faced? Two, how did you go about know influencing and, and changing those behaviors or helping people on that journey because i know a lot of people struggle with that yeah no absolutely it's definitely something we faced um so the short answer is we we quadrupled kpis and we you bastard uh, yeah don't boo me um the less the less ambiguous answer is is that look uh, jack found some some inefficiencies say in people's diaries do you know what i mean people weren't using the time as best as they possibly could and, and let's say someone was putting four hours of business development in their diary per day, uh, the activity didn't didn't reflect that. So instead, uh, Jack came up with a very good example, which I actually shared with you, didn't I? Um, but basically different things and how you could optimize your diary, still with reasonable stuff in there, an hour and a half lunch, time for resourcing in the morning, client meetings in the afternoon, but finishing the day with with business development and really up in that and we thought if everyone actually put their mind to it we could quadruple our output now our kpis before were bare minimums whereas now they are stretch targets and what, what, so like, like what then give us an example so like well we've quadrupled them so okay it was a case so of, four times as many kpis four times, many, four times as many outreach as what we were doing right okay got you so that's that but that's one way we've done it yeah uh, obviously for people in Wiser, normally you get to about consultant level, and that's when business development is actually expected of you. Okay. Actually bringing on business. Now, obviously, for the people that were more junior than that, it's a bit of a scary situation, right? One little actionable that we've done with my team that seems to have been effective. I've got Darius in the crowd somewhere, and he'll, he'll tell you whether it is or not. Um, but encouraging people to go for coffee catch-ups, even with candidates. A lot of people still hide behind a screen. If you avoid on the end of a phone or you're a message on a phone you can just get rid of it can't you shut the laptop i can close the message and whatnot if you become an actual real person to your candidate to your client you take them for a coffee you take them for a bit of lunch or whatever automatically it's a weird psychological thing but they're like well no actually i'm not going to just get rid of darius because actually i'm kind of in his debt a bit now and in bed with him no he's invested in me and then all of a sudden you start doing that you start meeting relevant people they don't need to be of use right now but they need to be of use in the future and to me that counts as a relevant coffee catch up and, and count towards that particular kpi so now whenever the person that darius met 
six months ago, hopefully in 18 months time, that person may well be an SDR manager or mm. progressing and have some clout in that business can actually help us out. Mm. So that's little actionable. Jeremy, I was saying, did you, did you not really experience that? <laughs> I agree. That's right, I said. But did you, do you not feel like people got, you said what uh, work last year is going to work this year. Yeah. So do you not feel like there was, you know, complacency? That That's what a lot of people I've spoken to felt. Did, did you not feel like that was happening in your this business? year or last year? Last year. We still done well. We done very, we, we doubled last year. So we obviously done something right. Um, but just, yeah, what, what did work last year is, is tougher this year. So naturally you need to, work smarter, harder, more structured. You need to have a better way of your, how you position yourself. You need to be innovative, f future think, uh, thinking, sorry. Um, you need to make sure that you're not just talking, I believe, not just talking recruitment all the time and you're talking about your products and how you offer outcome-driven services. And that's what the difference is for this year is mm -hmm. that the recruiters that do great are the people that don't act like recruiters. They're the people that build relationships, offer solutions, etc etc and you know the last few months or a couple months for us we've had some phenomenal months because mm. people are just turning the whole um service to a next level mm -hmm. and that's what you didn't need to do last year because people could just ping a cv out and you know get a win out of it yeah, yeah. you just can't do that this year so that leaves you quite nice thing because i think when we prepared for this all of you shared that that journey of solutions outcome focused so Alicia, let me come to you on that because I think a lot of people here, like being honest, the reason why we're speaking about this, so many people ask questions about business development in all different ways. Um, so in terms of like my question here was, a lot of you spoke about selling solutions, being outcome focused, products. You all mentioned that's something that you've all had to really focus on, have been on a journey on. So Alicia, let me come to you first on like why, firstly. Um, you just spoke about it a bit there. And what do these products look like? What do they sound like? I think that'd be helpful for people. Do you know what? I'm like really torn between the two because I completely get your perspective, but then I also massively agree with yours because for me, my whole job is relationships. Like, fuck everything else. Like, the the people will buy off you if they trust you. Mm -hmm. And that is the job. And don't get me wrong, like, I could get on with that speaker if it had a pair of lips. Like, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> like, that's just my personality. <laughs> But I also think that at the moment, like this year, last year was was a piece of piss. Like I could send anyone to anyone and they'd be like, yeah, I'll have them because they needed them. Mm -hmm. This year, people have, like sales haven't been going through, cuts have been made, companies have been structuring back. So for me, it's like, right, well, it's about the quality of the person that's coming in, but it's also what else can you offer? Like, mm. so for me personally, as a billing, as a billing consultant, because that's still what I am, you know, can I offer reputational structuring you know what is the market saying about you do, do you want a report of what the market's saying about you they'll pay for that like they want to know i speak to people every day what is everyone saying gossip like a gossip queen do you know what i mean like people love it people love to know what people say about them mm -hmm. they will pay for that so reputation in the market reputation well. the market you know retainers you need to commit from the start if you're going to search it, they need to know, like, well, I'm going to pay up front. Mm -hmm. If you trust me enough to do that service, then why would you not pay up front? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an easy conversation. Pay up front, pay for search, and pay on completion. Mm -hmm. Easy. I think also one other thing is um, salary surveys. We've been doing quite a lot of them. Um, you know, are you paying what you need to pay in the market to get the right people? Um, there's been actually, in construction, an increase and a sharp decrease which has been really interesting because people aren't willing to pay the high salaries anymore. Mm -hmm. So we're having to manage candidates a lot differently when it comes to salary expectations. How are you having those conversations? When it comes to actual candidates, I mean, I put something out every month, which is like a, like a bit of a, like a email to everyone, but I send out template CVs and all sorts just to help people. Cause mm -hmm. I think the best things in life are free. I get it on LinkedIn. I'm like, does anyone want one? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I've got hundreds of people. Like, yeah, send me one of them. And I'm yeah, cool. If, if I can help in any way possible that takes me out of you're just a recruiter, mm -hmm. I'm a person, you know, I'm Alicia Birch. Like, you either want it or you don't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'll help you in any way possible, not just getting you good people. Yeah. The line of the podcast. <laughs> 
Um, so tell me anything else, because look, when we prepared for this, I know you told me about the, you know, you shared that you just wasn't asking for retainers enough. You're surprised about actually, yeah, no, people will say yes. You weren't asking yeah. enough, you felt like. Two, you also said that, you know, you won a, um, a really big project, which was less about ones and twos. And like, is there anything else that... Right, that project came crashing down very quickly. Oh, shit, okay, fair. I, I, I won't cry about it, but it was, it's a tough time. We've... All right, we'll move on with that one then. No, so, to be fair, but this, this actually leads on really nicely because when in a tough market, you get very trigger happy, you know, someone says to you, I need 10 things and you're like, Oh yeah, let the get all the whole delivery team on it. Everyone do it, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, "They've been pushed back." They have. I'm like, "You absolute bastard!" I'm like, "I've got to explain this to someone." Like, it, that's the hard thing. Like, it's managing your own expectations when it comes to that. But also, you know, for me, we've got a really good delivery team that deliver on everything. Like, we can offer a really well-rounded service where the person that comes to us doesn't actually have to go anywhere else. We okay. give everything. You know, we're a one-stop shop. Okay. Like, come to Anderson James, you get everything. Okay. But at the same time, it's really, really hard because you've got to meet those expectations, you know? Yeah. I've got a high standard. Some of the people might not. It's not my problem. <laughs> Lewis, we spoke about this, didn't we? I know you've been on a bit of a journey with this. Yeah. Solutions, yeah. outcome, not like you said, contingent goose chase, getting away from that. What does that actually look like, sound like in, in your team's business? Yeah, no, no, similar to similar to Alicia, we've been up on a number of wild goose chases in the past sort of six to nine months, and it's got to a point now where we've decided, okay, we're just not going to do contingent anymore, is, is the bottom line. So uh, we plan to be retained fully by October um, using sort of just deposit system and then the rest on delivery, but just getting upfront commitment and getting exclusivity on everything is really what we're doing. We took stock of what we actually do for our clients and you'd be surprised about how little some recruiters actually do during processes like throwing CVs, we like see you at the other end of the process, that sort of thing. When in actual fact, we took audit and we were like, we're actually doing a fucking lot here. Like we're going above and beyond uh, in every way, shape and form and we can actually monetize that and sell it against the contingent service. So if you want contingent, we can do that, but we're going to charge more. Uh, however, if you get retained, you get the works, and guess what? It's cheaper overall. So to give it, give us you have to, like give us some of the breakdown of like with contingent. This is what it is. If we're working this way, what are some of the, the things? I'm not going to give away secret sauce, Hisham. No, come on, mate. Instructed from that. No, Give us some of it, mate. Come on. One thing. One thing may well be obviously having a, a weekly pipeline catch up okay. and a shared spreadsheet of all the talent that's currently going into that pipeline, which you wouldn't get with our contingent service. Okay. Yeah. Jamie, solutions outcome. I remember um, a while ago, it might be in like a Paris event. I saw you talking about like solution uh, stuff and that approach. Like, what what's been your perspective on this? How do you really drive this with the team? Because one of the, I think this ties into it. You can tell me, but one of the questions this was from um, a chap called Troy. The question was for Jamie, apart from attitude, what else do you do your consultants do in order to sell project-based contract solutions and build the numbers they do? So I think this ties into quite nicely. People want to know what does that look like in your business, the products? Like you said, you have to not be a recruiter to you know be really competitive and great in this market. What, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so we do IT. So first of all, we identify projects that are in cloud or whatever it is. Uh, we identify and we, we sell our service to build teams. Um, for New York, which is now rolled out globally, um, we're taking five products to market where my goal is, in, in most businesses, what I see is perm contract fight against each other. I want to bring perm and contract together. How you do that is perm sells contract, contract sells perm. To move that, just do that. Perm sells contract, contract sells perm. <laughs> um, that might sound a bit crazy, but if we train them to sell correctly, we will penetrate a client in so many different ways. So we've got five products we're taking to market. One's a Teams as a Service offering, which is statement of work. One's Teams as a Service to hire. One's contract, one's contract to hire, and the other one's retained. So our goal is every scheduled call that my team have is everyone will sell all solutions. If a client buys into one or the other, they bring on the other SME to then join that call to then sell the rest of the solutions. My goal is for us to be the best company in the market. How we do that, we train people to be to sell the best, to sell anything. 
um, and to provide an outcome-based projects solution wrapped around talent. So that's our goal and that's what we've taken to market. What are some of the, would you mind just sharing just some of the differences in those? I think that'd be useful because you said retained. Yeah. So quite a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Just give us some of the high level differences in those products. Yeah. So without going into detail of what consultancies do, but consultancies own a project, they deliver a project on a statement of work. They own a project. For us, we, we will offer an SOW where we give the client control over the project. So effectively, it's a time material SOW. We're also doing that to hire. Consultancies can't offer people directly to businesses to allow them to hire. We can offer that, so that's the second one. Okay. The third one is obviously contracts, which is just self-explanatory, it's contract recruitment. The fourth one is contract to hire, and the fifth one's retained. Now, the reason why we're driving contract to hire so much is because it's two fees. What does that mean, yeah, what does contract to hire? So you charge six months up front, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, six months time and material, and then you charge um, a normal percentage to go permanently after. Okay, right. So for a sales consultant, that's two fees. So we cap all of our contracts at six months. Mm. For a salesperson, they have the six months revenue and then they get the permanent revenue after that. So it's basically killing two birds with one stone. Um, okay, I know we went in granular there. That'll be helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Go in more detail. No, 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 that's fine. That's great. Just out of interest, do you send like a sales deck? Oh, that was my next question, yeah. Pitch deck. Nice. Talk to me. Good. Yeah. Do you, what, yeah, do you, how do you get, like, because I suppose a lot of, um, we deliver training, like a lot of the time, I'll be honest, a lot of recruiters I speak to don't use any sort of visual assets to help them sell their solution. It's very much like, look, I'm Jamie, I do this space, believe in me, trust me, like I'll deliver on this, right? That's what we're selling rather than, you know, having a visual asset that you can use in a sales process. This is what we've done for companies like yours. This is our track record. Look, if you say yesterday, this is the process, this is what we do. Have you, in your um, sales process, do you have, like you said, you book in like calls and then you bring people in if it's relevant to you. Do you have like visual aids and pitch decks that your guys use to help, you know, sell those solutions? So yeah, so people don't buy into what? So wherever you say you are, if you're a cloud expert that delivers talent across Europe and North America, they don't buy into that. People buy into the how. So I train people of how to educate clients on how you actually deliver into programs. Mm. So when we set up conversations, we set an agenda. Following the agenda, we send a um, like a, a call deck. Then we join the call and we present a call deck. Nice. So my team are trained on the call deck. So the call deck's based on punchy words, um, but they've all been trained to deep dive into everything from benefits to advantages to everything we do from a service. Um, and how much do you think that's helped the guys, girls close? How much does that help? aid the sales process diversity <laughs> guys and girls <laughs> how, how much you've, how, well, how helpful is that sales process? Way, i've just had a girl last month associate do 240k in her third month so yeah. decent yeah okay lewis alicia you can tell me lewis we were speaking about this again we're going granular here but i think it'd be helpful for people You've been on a recent journey with pitch decks. Why have they helped you and the team? Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely echo a lot of what Jamie just said. They're not 240k months or whatever. Oh, I say sorry. We're pretty proud of our pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we've used the pitch deck now for the last sort of six to nine months or so. It, it's so important to show because we've got such a great brand and all of our communities and all of that sort of thing. People, it's quite hard to escape us sometimes on LinkedIn in our market. Yeah. So it's important that we have something good looking and and uh, straightforward that we can present when when actually selling the services key things that we have in there is obviously what we do how we do it the brands and the case studies that we work with yeah. and actual relevant case studies to the client that we're actually pitching mm. so making sure there's brands in there that people will know and then also the talent that we've actually placed in those brands to make sure it piques their interest then also as well a game changer for us especially in pitch and retained work has been actually having visuals on the commercials as to how things work yeah working examples so you're hiring. If you work this way across this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having a comparison as to, okay, if you work with this contingent, it's going to be this way. We're going to charge you this much. However, retained, you're getting this, this, and this. And also, you're going to save X amount of money and just making sure that's plain as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Any you anything to add on that? Because I know you've had some recent experiences on that. It's really weird because last week I had a meeting about that exact thing. So I'm putting... When I started doing quite low-level recruitment when I got into it, you know, it was average seven seven and a half grand fees like i've started doing quite a lot of exec stuff but every time i speak to an exec person they go 
can you send me something about yourself? And I'm sat there thinking, shit. Like, I don't... What have you been sending then? Fuck all. Oh, wow. No, I've just been going and just being me. Like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is me. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> At the end of the day, like they want tangible things to send to a HR department yeah. or, and it's interesting because I'm on quite a different journey. Obviously, I know obviously Jamie's, you know, does what he does and Lewis does what he does. But for me, it's like, I'm still quite early. In my, I've done very, very well, but I'm still very early in my journey. I've just mm. been enjoying making loads of money. Mm. But Go on. Go on the gill. But now it's like, right, how am I going to elevate myself? And that comes with case studies. You know, people want to know, well, what have you done for that person? So I put a big sales doc together, which is basically all about me, the business that we work with, um, something that splits up our services, which is like retained exclusive mm. contingent. And it's basically a tick and cross. You know, if you want to do exclusive, this is, yeah, yeah. if you want to do contingent, you get this, this, and that, but you don't get that. Mm. But it's it's all, you know, roundabout, that's what you can get with it, which is really, really interesting because I'm listening to these two and I'm like, shit, I should have done that a long time ago. Because yeah. like before then you would just explain that and talk through it. and that... I would fill anything. Right, like, okay. Like, okay. I would, li like, I know I could go to anyone and be like, I've got this person. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take anything. him. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know that I could go, I could sell ice to an Eskimo. That's just one of my talents. Yeah. But I also know that when it comes to that sub exec exec market, mm. they love knowledge. You know, me and James sat down and did a bit of a thing the other day, and it was like, right, you know, this is that, that's that. When you get to this level up here, you know, you need to have knowledge, experience, you need to know people. These will take anything off you, like anything. But it's it's a bit like not not low value because I love that market like it's been what's got me here today but it doesn't take as much you just need a good person okay these just love gossip they love to know what's going on who's moving where all that shit yeah and to have a sales deck that goes into it is is great because they they want to take it to HR and say well these people on this and they want them to fill director roles like they need that yeah they don't yeah at least you had it on the podcast the other day um it was the Amy episode we released last week. She lost out to another agency just simply because she spoke to the internal HR person. They're then in the board meeting talking about getting certain things signed off. The company that she was competing against had, you know, some vision, like some assets to provide them. And she just had her words and like... I'm a visual learner. Like, yeah. I love visuals. So for me, it's like, yeah. oh, I love it. But other people might not be like that. But it is, it is really important to get something that says what you do, who you are what your previous case studies are like anyone in this room if you've not got it i would 10 out of 10 recommend doing it because it'll elevate you to that next level like yeah i love it love it so let, let's go into i'm gonna go into some questions from uh gonna go into some questions from the audience and then i'll i'll bring the mic out and then we, we can freestyle a bit so might go a bit in a few different places um here so jamie do you have a delivery team or not do you have yeah, but it's very small. We're, we're not a 180 model at all. The only, oh, yeah. Sorry, go on. The only reason why we've got a delivery team is for like high volume. Big yeah, yeah. Because the question, like you let me know what you think of this, this, is a question from Henry. How do you ensure that you create a 180 business that is able to both generate the sales and also fill the roles without causing a bottleneck on either side? I don't know if there's anything for you. We're not 180. So okay. the, what's made us successful is we all hunt, we all are 360 go getting relentless recruiters. That's what we are. And that's what's made us grow. We're a business that wins new clients. We're not a business that are, have been amazing expanding clients. We do have some very, very, very big and great accounts, but what's made us successful is the amount of brands that we win every month. Mm. Um, and that's because of the 360 model. Alicia, so you have a delivery team. So just to recap there, like from your perspective, how do you have these people both generate the sales and also fill the roles without causing a bottleneck at either side? So we've recently experienced this, like, okay. like you know, it, it's difficult because the delivery team are absolutely unreal. Like my delivery team are great. Give them a roll, they'll fill it. Could be anything, toilet cleaner, whatever. Like they'll fill it. Um, You're not getting toilet cleaner job, surely. Sorry, okay. I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Anything, they will fill it. Like yeah. they just, they know the pro. It's all about a process. It's not about the job. It's about what you do with the job. Mm -hmm. Um, but. For me, I've been focusing very heavily on bringing new business, you know, to them and really, really funneling it into them. 
But then at the same time, it's equally as important for them to tell me what's going on. If I'm not doing candidate stuff, what's going on in the market? Yeah. Like, who's hiring? Who's doing this? You know, who's moving where? It's got to be a really nice balance. So if you've got a delivery team, um, anyone in the audience who's got a delivery team, make sure that they're, it's a give and take relationship. You can funnel as many jobs into them as you want, make them as rich as you want and, you know, give them whatever, but they still need to be feeding you whatever you need out of the market. For me, it's like, who's hiring? Who's the hiring managers? You know, where's the busiest? Where have people just moved from? If I'm not getting that information, I actually can't build a desk or a market because mm -hmm. I do UK wide now. So for me, it's like, you know, if I don't know a hiring manager in a certain, how am I going to find it? I'm going to have to go and ring them myself. I might as well fill the jobs myself as well. Mm. So it is quite difficult. It's been a transition for me because I've been very used to filling my own jobs, managing my own clients having being a massive control freak which i am mm. and letting that go but it's been working and they've been doing really really well and i appreciate every single one of the delivery team that we've got because they are so hard work and they put the most amount of work in but what i would say is it's worked better when they've given something back as well it's not all give 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 to them you've got to take a little bit as well mm. do you do you have that model not really in terms of 180 or it's we used to like like alluded to before it was a case of we had almost like for the moment that you might not research any more you became almost like a 270 model so team leads or senior cons upwards would win roles and then they would deliver them but in recent times everyone's on the tools on bd now yeah yeah so, okay it's not as much anymore um jamie let me comment on this I, I quite like this question this was from alicia um no it's no not from you um what top, what top three things do you do with a consultant when they hit that recruitment wall? Um, you know, it might be a certain number. They keep hitting the 250 grand mark. They just struggle to get over that next level. Like, you know, any one to three things that you found really help people break through the next barrier of performance that maybe limiting beliefs or thing are, oh, I'm always only able to do 300 grand a year, whatever it may be. Anything there to share that you found be really helpful for people to overcome those performance barriers? So it first starts with the words. So I'm big about the words that come out of people's mouths because if they talk that, then it's naturally going to happen. Mm. Um, I'm huge about habits and what people do in their personal life and what they create reflects to what you actually do within the, the organization as well and obviously their career. And I'm big about people self-reviewing. So as, as long as you're getting someone to self-review or you're self-reviewing naturally, they're going to self-evaluate and self-learn and have more solutions before they even come to meetings. I spend about an hour and a half every week just self-evaluating and reviewing. And I preach that across my whole organization. So that's probably one. Mm. Um, two is ensuring that they are going back to basics. A lot of people forget about doing the basics. Basics get recruiters to being great. But then once they're great, they drop off and forget about the basics. So it's obviously retrain, not retraining them, but re reiterating what got them to where they are now. And just on that cruise, because we hear that a lot, like, what are the basics? Like, wh like, how do you describe the basics from your view? Like, what are the basics that you go, right, how did you get there? Like, what is it that you reinforce? Yeah, it's, it's simple. Recruitment is so fucking easy if you just make it easy. Um, speak to great candidates, not good candidates. Speak to great candidates. Great candidates work at great companies. So you extract commercial information. Once you've got the commercial information, you chase it down relentlessly, but you map out the clients to ensure you get in there. Get, mate, get that. Just do a bit more. A little bit closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to eat it soon. <laughs> um, just a little bit. So once you've extracted commercial information, you chase that. Once you chase it, you pitch well. Once you pitch well, you control the client. They're the four pillars that I discuss with my business all the time. Mm. Keep it simple and that will get you to where you need to get to. Love that. Perfect. Was there a third thing or not? Nah? There was two. Back to basics. Language. What are we saying? One more thing or not? Nah? Self-reviewing. Self oh, yeah, self-reviewing. Nice. Habits and language, self-reviewing, and back to basics. Back to basics, love it. Lewis, you're a, you know on that leadership journey. What have you found to be useful in helping people around you have performance barriers? Talk to me. Anything else? Yeah, that, no, this may come across as like micromanagey to a lot of people, but like you, you have... No, you do quadruple KPI. Yeah, we, I quadruple KPI. Yeah. Um, no, full audit. But just full audit. Full audit. All audit processes, just what you do from start to finish. If yeah. things aren't going right or, you know, they're not going where they should be, it's one of those things where poor Darius is in the crowd, he wish he didn't come now. But we I've sat there before <laughs> where we've literally just gone through everything, being like, Right, okay, where's the mental block? We do yeah. it. We know the textbook, we know what we do, 
we know the recipe to make sure that we're a successful we're, we're uh, producing successful services and yeah. and placements and all that sort of thing where is it going wrong and yeah nine times out of ten you find it mm. you find it just going through through everything from start to finish let's make a placement together and yeah and, and tell you what most of the time you'll be like okay well this area isn't as efficient as it could be okay you know you're focusing too much on on candidate registrations as opposed to doing your business development mm. activity for example i don't know but mm. yeah there, there's always inefficiency. just deep dive into yeah okay just dive into it and it, it takes you know a couple of days and then before you know it you find uh, a deep mm. issue that you can quickly resolve uh i had quite so not not interested in the conversation of like oh, our robots going to take our jobs vibe but uh, a lot of people message about like ai so jamie i'm going to come to you on this um people work in different ways but this question here from idris which was how has your company incorporated ai technologies to streamline your recruitment and operational we have okay yeah we have you haven't okay best recruiters learn doing the job properly if you rely on tech and tech and tech then you're going to rely on tech if you can we have linkedin recruiter we have source well part of the business so wait sorry about sorry you have linkedin recruiter zoom info did you say yeah again that's a bit of tech but we no, don't really rely on tech yeah um linkedin recruiter zoom info mm. and that's it okay alicia ai technologies in the recruitment process People do not buy off robots. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, people buy off people. We need great relationships. Like, at the end of the day, right, so me and Jamie, right, if I've got something that you want, are you going to buy it off a robot? If I ring you and say, hello. No, 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 no but we're, we're, not in, no, we're not interested in that. AI that's what I mean. It's like, that's what, yeah, it's, it's that's not, what that's, it That's not the question. It's not the question. Is like, are you utilising technology to... I don't know, screen CVs quicker, format CVs quicker. Like, are you implementing? No, we've got we've got a formatting system, but when well, that's one example. So we've got like a formatting system that we send it out and then they bring it back within two hours. Okay. That, that's great. Like, but I think also, so that a good time. Um, no, I think to be fair for us, when it comes to the only way that we're going to be able to make sure that those people are good and those people are right for the job is if we do it ourselves. Okay. And you can invest, like, to be fair, like I've been speaking to James about this recently and like we have been investing quite a lot in different systems for our team, but not for the market. You know, we do personality profiling, that's fine, but that's obviously a mm. thing that questions that you answer and it goes from there. I think when it comes to actually AI technology to make it more advanced, no, because people don't want that. Like they want to make sure that a person has looked at that, that knows that person to make sure that the personality fits, that the profile's right. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. So it's a lot further than, I, I agree with that. I think a lot of people like, I'd, I'd say probably in your market, it's a bit more applicable because that's what your market is. But for construction, yeah. You know, if I'm looking selfishly and tunnel vision, mm. you're building X, Y, Z. Do you need AI? Probably not. Okay. It's probably not applicable to my market, but that's me being selfish. Lewis, what are we saying? Sorry, mate. This question is going to fall straight on its ass because, again, we don't really do much. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just wanted to ask. We've a lot of people met and this is about it. God, is I've used the I've used the AI writing assistant to write a LinkedIn post the other day. How'd that go? Snapchat one. Other than that, other than that, no, definitely yeah. not with our processes. It's all people led. Cool. So I'm um, I'm going to bring a microphone out um, in a sec. I'm going to ask these guys one more question. But if any of you that do have a question, and curious to ask these guys to you know dig into something maybe they've said. Um, but let me you know finish with you guys on this, and then we'll see what the audience have to say or want to ask you. Um, this is just a question from Alice. Uh, Alicia, I'll come to you first. Which was, you know, if there was just one thing you would have implemented in the early stages of your recruitment career with the hindsight you have now, what would it be? Planning. Yep. Yeah, I was shit at it. Like, I was, I literally was like, I'll just go into the office and see what happens today. You have to go in with a plan. You know, you've got to know what you're doing. I always say candidates for the morning, BD in the afternoon. Candidates will be your BD. I could go on all day about it, but I see so many people coming into recruitment and they go into the office and like, I don't know what I'm doing today. Like, mm. You've wasted a day already. If you go in and don't know what you're doing, you might as well just not go in. <laughs> like yeah. that's the hardest thing but I also think that I've faked 
the first three years of my career. Like, I was literally, I thought, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to be this person that people wanted me to be. I became more successful when I was myself. And some people hate it, some people love it. Don't get me wrong, I get that. But it got me so much further because mm. at least then if I, I can own my shit, like, you know, I get where I am, but... I faked so much time and just be yourself. Like no one needs to know this watered down version of you. People, someone and a client that pays a lot of money will love you for the way that you are because you are the way that you are. But plan. Bannon, be authentic. Lewis. Yeah, I think one thing that would have been massively valuable to me earlier on is actually knowing what a good outbound message looks like. <laughs> like my outbound messages used to be horrific. They used to be like small dissertations with every single service line that we do, everything about us, our founding story, like all sorts. And they were just horrific. So actually learning about that, learning about personalization from the off and actually what's going to grab a prospect's attention, mm. knowing that from the off, that would be Love valuable to me. Jamie, round us out. One thing. Uh, creating personal habits. Um, I wish I'd done it a lot earlier. I preach about it in my business. Um, just creating personal habits that allow you to be great at what you do. You won't be great without having good personal habits. Um, nice, love it. Um, let's do some questions before we finish. Who's got the courage to ask the first one? Right, let's go. I'll, uh, I'll come with the mic. Well, to be fair, you... Actually, no, I'll give you a mic, actually. Yeah, here you go. Hello guys. Um, what would be your favorite question or your top killer question to ask anyone that you're interviewing to join your business and why? Ready to go first? I don't ask questions really. I just grill. <laughs> Do I like you or not? <laughs> yeah. Um, it depends what level, it depends what level. Who keeps knocking over these bottles? Savage, mate. It's like a bowling alley in it. <laughs> the question that I normally ask, especially if we employ a lot of people that haven't necessarily done recruitment before, at least we used to, but asking them, okay. Unreal. Savage. Absolute savage. Are, That's your team, by the way. Asking them what they expect the hardest thing about the job to be and actually just seeing like where, where their head's currently at. So like, if you were to come into this role tomorrow, be here. What is the thing that you think you're going to like struggle the most with, or or need the most coaching in? Like, it's normally a good good way to see where they're at and actually how much they understand about what they be doing. Because as we know, it's not all champagne and roses. Nice, uh, Master. Do you have a yeah. I got a question for Jamie. Um, so we've done quite a lot of statement of work stuff within our business and I 100% think it's a great way to do recruitment and like that's how you build good relationships, you win bigger clients, you get like decent margins. Um, I'd say there's some people in our business that do it very well, but I've, tr I've struggled to maybe roll it out to lots of different teams. And I think like commercial acumen is quite a big part of that if you're trying to have a conversation with CIOs and sales solutions. So how would you identify those people in the interview process and then how would you train them to like have those conversations with senior people? I got kids out of school last last year, so I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say that I've I'm academically great. Um, my top biller is probably the thickest person ever as well. So, um, but he did get my like, biggest account anyway. Um, I don't. It's, it's not. It's not in. It's not an interview process for me. It's about how you train people. Um, I love uh, the same poor, hungry, driven. That's the type of people I look for um why i want people to want to make some of themselves um i say to everyone that i interview we will make you better um and that comes with a platform i talk about the what why and how um it's not about communicating and training people on the what it's about the why it's about the how um and i think if you can have a good training program um or training modules that's repeatable that's replicable and that's resilient that is a scalable way to roll out good ways of working, um, training, products, offerings, and solutions, right? So that's that's my personal opinion on it, is how you train people, is giving them the education of how they sell it and how it actually comes across to the client. Because like I said, I've got some people in my business and no one that I hire 
in my London office, I don't think anyone's got a university degree. So I'm not all for that. Hannah, maybe. My head of talent. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, it really just comes down to the actual platform. And I'm big about a platform and how people can elevate on a platform. Um, so that's what I'd put it down to. Thanks. Uh, you guys mentioned that 2022 was a lot easier than 2023. Uh, just like to get your insights into the rest of 2023 and if, how you're going to combat those problems. I know you said you, that you increased your KPIs. Hope you don't have to do that again. Uh, but yeah, just how you're going to basically get over those problems if, yeah, any are going to arise in the rest of the year, basically. Sorry, mate, I missed the last bit. Of that. Yeah, like what, how are you going to get over the problems that are going to come up in the rest of 2023, basically? If there are any, like, if you've seen into the market, you said. Or well, I hope there's not like a pandemic or anything like that. But no, um, look, it's just the, the, the move towards retained is the biggest thing for us. It, it's weeding out the time wasters. Um, do you know what I mean? We've all, we've all been there. We've all been on briefs where we think this is going to be the best account since sliced bread and everyone's going to be millionaires. But then it's like, yeah, it doesn't work out that way. Um, and taking an L early on and maybe them signing with a competitor on contingent terms is probably not the worst thing in the world if you're sticking to your guns right now and making sure you're working in a way which you know when you hand it over to, to someone in your team or you work it yourself, that you're actually working towards your next promotion target or earning that next bit of commission. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think you've got to be able to walk away. That's the key thing. Um, when it comes to retainers, they are really, really hard because I had major imposter syndrome. I, could, I couldn't sell a retainer to save my life. And then one day I was like, I'm going to do it retained. And they went, all right, okay. I went, Canal, they've done it. Like they've actually agreed to it. And then from then on, it was dead, dead easy. Um, but the key thing I would say is for the rest of this year, it will get better. You know, I put a bit of an inspirational post out on LinkedIn the other day, giving everyone a bit of a hype talk. It'll get better, like the sun will shine again. But the main thing is going to be job control. You know, you've got to make sure that your clients are committed. You could spend weeks and weeks and weeks filling a job that will never go anywhere you know the best way to find that out is at the start make sure that before when you're qualifying the job when can they actually offer someone you know what date do you offer someone when do you want them to start and if they say oh, i don't know fuck it off like ignore like that that's it done if they cannot give you an answer you will not get an answer in three weeks after the interview process you have to be really really cutthroat and make sure that if, you know, as I said, I've been through it recently, like a client led me on, led me on, gave them the full service, and then they just went, we're not doing it right now. I was like, shit, like, that's a lot of money to let go, but you've just got to be savage. Like, think about it. Time is money. How are you spending your time? Is it something that's closest to the money or furthest away? Is it a maybe, or is it a 100% that's going to go through? Like, that, that is my best advice. I agree as well, but I think, no problem. The ma the market has not slowed down by any means stretch. It's leveled out and that's the biggest thing. People complain the market slowed down, it's not. The market is leveled out to what it should be like a normal recruitment market. Um, for us, we're still growing. For us, we're still billing. For us, we're still opening more offices. Why? Because we're continuously upskilling the people that we have in the business. We're continuously training them. We're continuously coaching them. I hate the word management. I agree with what you said as well is we get under the bonnet we do desk MOTs every week um, midweek so the reason why all these companies there's so many companies letting people go right now is because their targets are shit um, the way they drive the business is shit and that's why they, they looked good because they was hiring all these people but then they're making redundant all these people as well for us we bring them in put them on a great platform drive them in the right direction and train them fucking great and that's what's got us to allow to grow and continuously grow. Um, it's, it's the upskilling, it's continuous upskilling and developing people um, that will outbeat anyone else. Thank you. Um, how was it, like, did anyone have some of your final questions or, yeah? Okay, final one then. I won't ask you, Lou, because I see you every day. But what's the best way to keep a team motivated when markets are challenging? Like a lot of us have been in recruitment for a long time and we've been through the shit times and we've come out the other side. So what advice would you give to your team to just keep pushing on and keep motivated? Um, one thing I would say is do the little things that will lead on to the big things. Like everyone thinks that the job is get a job, bill, complete, done. Like 
you have to do the little things to ensure that you're still relevant. You know, building a LinkedIn profile is absolutely massive. You need to stay relevant in your market, whether that's actually staying relevant with clients on an email trail, but LinkedIn will be your biggest tool. Um, what you do in a quiet market will be key to succeeding, you know, make hay while the sun shines, as they say. Like when it's busy, those the people that will go to you are the people that see you when things are quiet. Do little freebies here and there. There's nothing wrong with that. Like no one's sitting there saying you have to take bleed a penny out of everyone for everything. If someone says to you, do you know what people are paying this? Let me send you a little rundown of a salary survey. Look, don't worry about it. They will remember that more than anything. You've got to do things that are memorable to people that will make you rise when the market rises. Don't get me wrong. It is terrible at the moment. Like I'm not sitting there. Like Don't get me wrong. We're doing well. We're billing. We're growing as a business. We're doing all these good things. But it's tough. Like People aren't hiring what they used to hire. But what you do in that time is really, really key to when things get busier again. You want to be at the forefront of these people's minds constantly pumping them with new candidates you know who's good good salary surveys what the reputation's saying like do these little things that will build it and then as soon as it gets busy they'll be like i've got 20 roles here like what do i do with them don't worry i'll help you out like that's how it works like people love it when people support them in the dark times like i remember when i've been through shit times i remember all the friends up there for me that is recruitment <laughs> like that that's the top and bottom of it so for me, don't start by saying, how do you motivate people through tough times? I don't believe it is a tough time in recruitment right now. It's leveled out. And that's the first thing I want to say. Um, you inspire people, you motivate people, you set visions, you drive them in the right way. I say to all of my team, I'm, I don't hire you to be your friend. I hire you to make you great. So the, the, the people that bring on people just to be their friend or don't train them in the right way, or don't drive them the right way, that doesn't get results. And in this market right now where it has leveled out, results are key. Um, we have missions across every office right now, which we've we've collaborated to to, to get to that point. Um, it's reminding people who the business are, what we represent, how we drive, how we work. But again, it comes down to the motivation. It comes down to inspiring people. It doesn't come down to, oh, it's a fucking shit market. What are we going to do? Let's panic and let's just you know, put an arm around his shoulder. That's not, that doesn't work. What works is driving them and coaching them to be absolutely great at their jobs. And that's a big thing for us is I talk about the platform a lot. We have built a very, very, very good platform to inspire people to be great. And I've got some phenomenal billers in my business that are doing phenomenal numbers still, regardless of people saying it's slowed down, it's leveled down, all of that shit. It hasn't. It has only slowed down if you allow it to slow down. And that's my biggest thing. I never, ever, ever communicate across my business because I don't believe in it. Just on that, though, I would say, like, it depends <laughs> It depends who you are as to when it's quiet, what do you do in that quiet time, you know? That's their fault why they're quiet. No, 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 not quiet. I'm no. being like, if, say, for example, you've not got as many jobs on as that's you their do, what do you do? Work hard, turn up, listen, learn. No, I, I get that from my perspective because mm. I'm, I'm billing what I'm billing, but I'm saying, like, I'm talking from a billion perspective. Yeah. You're talking from a management, like I'm talking from. I'm. I, you're talking from a wider team perspective. I'm, I'm talking about what do I do day to day. I'm talking from the. I so I've cherry. I do what you do, but I'm saying something else. So I I've cherry picked people to work directly for me in my business. So I've got about six or seven billers that report to me. They all do a minimum of anywhere between 100 to 200k monthly, right? And. These are people that don't come in and look at a shit desk. They self-review before they come into the week. They're people that have the right plan. We talk about so planning a lot. Have the right plan, have the right goals, have the right motivation, have the right activity that they go out. And that's what it comes down to. People that are quiet in this market is because they've made themselves quiet. Yeah, They're not putting in the right activity. They're not doing the right things. And that's, that's their fault at the end of the day. And they're the people that get made redundant. Right, they're the people that get pushed out of companies because people need to work to generate money at the end of the day. And that's how I look at it, right? Is that there are lots of companies that are doing that, but people are quiet because I do think this market will weed out shit recruiters. Like it does, yeah. That's a given. But I think what what I'm saying is like from my perspective, you know, looking at personally I'm not quiet, but if I was looking at someone else who was sitting there on a desk and they were like, oh, I'm not as busy as I need to be, yeah, I get it's their fault, but what can they do to give themselves that oomph to get them busy again? You know, it, it's hard. Like some 
I think it's difficult for me because I look at people every day and I'm like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm busy. I'm I'm running around giving jobs X, Y, Z, whoever. But what are these people doing that sit there and going, God, I've not I've not had a job in all week. I've not done this. Like, it can be disheartening. Mm. And after six weeks of that, you will probably leave. Like, you'll probably think recruitment's not for me. But how can you edge them out? I get. What, I, I completely agree with you. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I get what you're saying. But I think it's difficult when you're in that spot. Because I've been there. Bear in mind, I did three years no billing. Like, I was shit at my job. Like, don't get me wrong. But I still carried on. Why? Because I had a why. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But I didn't do the day-to-day habits, which is exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, it's just like, what can you do when you're in that headspace of, God, like the market's tough? Yeah, get out of it. It's personal development. It's all these self-help stuff. But it's harder when you're in that. I get what you're saying. I know I know what you're, yeah, I know what you're saying. I get I get it. <laughs> um... So, look, I think before we give these guys a hand, um, massive thanks to all of you for coming. I think we're going to leave it there. I think I just want to say we've um, we've put your coats and bags upstairs. It's going to be absolutely fucking carnage if we all try and go upstairs and get our coats and stuff. So, hoping if you can help us out and if we could just go, we'll finish there. And then, um, like, if the guys closest to that uh, door can just start first and then get their bags and stuff, um, that's be really helpful. But... Let's give a hand to these guys. Thanks, everyone. There we go.